Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. We're now in Revelation 5, and in chapter 4, John was caught up. He was raptured, if I could say that, even though he didn't use that word. But he heard a voice saying, come up here, and I'll show you things that will take place after this. And then he sees this beautiful scene that is overwhelming of the throne of God and the one who sat on it and the surroundings of it. And so he was describing this, and he's in the middle, actually, of describing what he's seen when we get to chapter 5. And here's what he says. And I saw... In the right hand of him who sat on the throne, this is Father God, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back. So here's a scroll, and on one side of the scroll, if it was opened, is writing, and then it's as if somebody flipped the scroll over and wrote on the other side, and now it's been rolled up. And it's a scroll, but he could tell it was written on both sides. And he goes on to say, sealed, the scroll was sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll? Now let me just stop right there. And as I mentioned from the very beginning, I'm going to be doing a little bit of introduction to the book uh, with each chapter so that we don't, you know, bunch it all up in one chapter and make it so long. So let me just do a bit more introduction now. Uh, because now it's beginning to get into the seals. We have these three sets of items that are going to attach to each other. We have seven seals, and then we have seven trumpets, and then we'll have seven bowls. And the seventh seal unleashes or breaks open into the seven trumpets. And the seventh trumpet blast and it breaks open the seven seals. So it's as if the seventh of each one of these then leads us into the next. And I I feel like there's something of a chronology that happens in these, and that these are dealing with the tribulation period, the seven-year period to come. So notice again, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, Father God, a scroll written inside and out. Verse 2, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth. What does that mean, under the earth? We're talking about down in hell. Hell is in the heart of the earth. I don't have time to validate that, but there's so many scriptures that tell us that. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Now, apparently, John knew, oh, this scroll must be unsealed. This scroll must be read, because it says in verse 4, so I wept much. Now, here he is having this experience, and it was a real experience that the Spirit of God was giving him to be able to write this book for us. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll 
or to look at it. John just had this knowing. It has to be read. It has to be read. And no one was worthy to open it. Verse 5, but one of the elders. So what elders? Well, we presume it's one of the 24 elders who were seated on the 24 thrones that were talked about in the previous chapter. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, oh, here it comes. Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Well, who is that? This is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the root of David, and he has prevailed. How has he prevailed? Well, he came in obedience to God to become a human being, an innocent human being, the first innocent human being since the sin of Adam. And then he lived his whole life on earth, completely obedient to God without any sin. And then he became obedient, as Philippians 2 tells us, to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore, because he was obedient, God raised him from the dead and God raised, highly raised him up, the Bible says, and seated him at the right hand of God and gave him the name above every name. And so he has prevailed over the flesh, over the sin, over bondage, over the devil, over death and Hades. He is the preeminent Lord. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so one of these elders said, hey, John, don't weep. Behold, there is someone who is worthy to open this scroll and to break these seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seven seals. And I looked. Oh, can you imagine what this would have been like for John? And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. So this is not him seeing a vision of Jesus before his birth in Bethlehem. This is not him seeing a vision of Jesus during his earthly ministry. Oh, no. This is him seeing a vision of Jesus. And notice, he sees Jesus not like a human being. At least that's not how he's describing him. But he's seeing him as a lamb. So this, just that one, uh, just that one view that he is explaining here of the Lord Jesus tells you that many of these things that John is seeing are symbolic in other words, that these living creatures may not actually look like that, just like Jesus does not look like a lamb. And he certainly doesn't look like a lamb as, as if he's been slain. But in this vision, he did. And why is that? Because God is showing John some things and showing him why certain things are like they are. And in this case, the reason that Jesus uh, has been... Uh, has prevailed to open the scroll is because of what he has done for us. It's because he has fulfilled his assignment. He is the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. So I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. Well, does Jesus have seven horns and seven eyes? Well, I don't think so. We don't read any of the 
thing about that in the Gospels, do we? No, but this is symbolic. And this is the Lord Jesus, but it's the Lord Jesus with uh, in, in, viewed in a symbolic way because of certain characteristics about him. So it goes on to say, seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, we read that before, but I think this is the last time that that comes up, the seven spirits of God. So I didn't get into it before, but let's do this. Hold your place there in Revelation. Let's look quickly to the book of Isaiah, the 11th chapter. And I don't normally turn to other places, but I know that many people have interest in what this is when the Bible talks about the seven spirits of God, because there's only one Holy Spirit. So what are these seven spirits? Well, I believe it relates to something that Isaiah taught. In fact, let me just say this. This is a little bit more introduction. The book of Isaiah, along with the book of Daniel, these are two key books to interpreting the book of Revelation. And I would say, as Daniel Juster brought out, the Passover of Exodus. These passages in the Old Testament really help. They, they almost foreshadowed, uh, and in some ways directly, clearly foreshadowed, the revelation that John received. So notice this in Isaiah. It says in verse 1, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. So we're talking about the Lord Jesus. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now watch this, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Talking about Jesus. This is a messianic prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And then it says, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. But notice this. When you count up all of these that it calls the Spirit, it says, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom, there's two. And understanding, there's three. The spirit of counsel, there's four. And might, there's five. The spirit of knowledge, there's six. And the fear of the Lord, there's seven. So it lists off here spirits, but it's not talking about different Holy Spirits. But these are expressions of the Holy Spirit that will rest upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe this really should help us understand when the book of Revelation says the seven spirits of God, the spirit of the Lord, but wisdom, knowledge, uh, wisdom, and understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So back to the book of Revelation chapter 5, and it says that he saw a lamb as if it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out. Well, the uh, on him were seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Well, that messianic Isaiah prophecy said these spirits will rest upon him. So it seems evident to me that these are the seven spirits that it's referring to, but John is seeing them as seven horns and seven eyes. So it says the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Well, the spirit of wisdom sent out into the earth and the spirit, spirit of the fear of the Lord and wisdom or understanding and such. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 7. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So here's the lamb, Jesus. He comes and takes the scroll out of the hand of Father God. 
Verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So notice, the prayers of the saints are in golden bowls, and these creatures have these bowls, and incense are coming up uh, from these bowls, and the elders have these bowls. In other words, the prayers that we pray are captured in bowls, and the symbolism or the picture that John is giving is incense coming up. In other words, uh, when you smell something, it reminds you of something. It makes you think about something. And so these prayers are constantly like incense coming before the Lord. And these creatures are holding these bowls. These elders are holding these bowls here. And these prayers are coming up and filling the throne room of God with our prayers. In other words, it's not just when we pray them the first time, but this like incense, they continue to fill. And likely until these prayers are answered. And so it says, verse 9, and they sang a new song. They sang a new song. Well, we know the 24 elders are involved here, but it also had mentioned the creatures. But listen to this new song that they sang. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Now, what's interesting is it makes perfect sense that the 24 elders, if they are indeed the patriarchs, you know, of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles who are all human beings who were redeemed by the blood of the Lord, it makes sense that they would write that. But what about these creatures? <laughs> well, if these creatures are also singing that and saying, you have redeemed us to God by your blood, well, then are these creatures really symbolic of other human beings who are not part of the 24, the 12, and the 12, but who are other human beings that have already gone on to be in heaven, and they are giving the Lord worship and praise, holy, holy, holy to the Lord. Well, that's why, you know, you can go so many different directions, different directions with the interpretations, and I'm just trying to be straightforward and not try to dogmatically say it means exactly this or that, but to give you clues that these 24 elders and the creatures sang this song, you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Well, it's only the human race that has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so it leads me to believe that if they're singing that, they wouldn't be singing something that's false or that didn't apply. So somehow it must apply. They continue to say and sing, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests. Some translations, a kingdom of priests. Have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe that in heaven, uh, and particularly here where the lamb comes on the scene, oh, the one who gave his life for us, the one who sacrificed all of his preferences, all of his pleasures, all of his desires, all of his dreams for himself in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. I don't want to do this. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He stretched 
He gave everything he had to go through with it, to be brutally murdered, and not just by the Romans. Oh, no. Uh, that was not the worst of it. I mean, he was embarrassed and humiliated. The shame, he hated the shame, the Bible says. But the wrath of Almighty God upon uh, for the sin of the whole world, all the wickedness past, present, and future, was all laid against him. God brought his wrath against his own son on our behalf. And Jesus allowed this. He sustained this willingly. And so when he busts on the scene here, oh, let me tell you, these elders and these creatures, and, and presuming that somehow they may be representative of other human beings are there because of what they said. But think about this. Oh, they fall down and they begin to worship. Nobody is saying, hey, guys, let's sing a song. Let's worship, okay? Uh, come on, it's good to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, nobody has to say that. See, in the spirit realm, in eternity, we are so aware. In fact, here's what I believe. I believe when we get there, Oh, nobody's going to have to coach us. There's not going to be angels with signs that says, you know, sing or applause or something like that where they have to cue audiences on a TV set. Absolutely not. We're going to be so aware, and we're going to look at Father God who gave his only begotten son for us. And then we're going to look at his right hand, which would be to our left if we're facing them on the throne. And we're going to see the one who gave his life for us. And we're going to be so struck by the reality of how close it was that we went into an eternity without God, an eternity of torment. If it wasn't for that father who gave his son and that son who gave himself, nobody's going to have to coax us to worship him. We're going to be so thankful. We're going to be so appreciative for the salvation that was afforded to us, the gospel that somehow got to our ears and heart, and the Spirit of God that helped us to embrace this gospel. And I think here we, we read this because the Lord wants us to see how it was in when John saw this, but how it will be when we're there, but so that we can now begin to acknowledge and worship God this way with fervent hearts and thankful hearts. Okay, verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times, 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. Listen to this. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. In other words, this is a huge multitude of people saying with a loud voice, worthy, can you imagine this? Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is he. Oh, and yes, he is. Yes, he is the Lamb, Jesus, who was slain, verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, 
Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Do you remember how the Bible says uh, in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus has been given the name above every name, and at that name every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And John says, I saw this happening, that every single tongue, wherever the creatures and beings were, human beings, spirits and everything, everybody declaring. See, don't get the idea that, you know, God and the devil are wrestling and we're, we're just waiting to find out whether the force of good or is going to beat the excuse me, the force of evil. Absolutely not. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So we are going to see later on here a war break out in heaven. We're going to watch this happen as John describes it. But just know the devil has no chance of winning against the Lord our God. And every tongue will confess. And John said, I heard this. And I mean a countless number of beings saying these things. Verse 14 then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. See, these human beings seated on these 24 thrones are modeling for us the kind of appreciation, humility, honor that we should be giving to the Lord and not out of fear that he's mean and, and if we don't worship him, he's going to punish us. No. Gratitude. He created us, and we sinned and rebelled against him, and yet he loved us and redeemed us and had mercy on us and, and patience with us. And, oh, we just want to worship him and thank him. See, in eternity, we're going to realize how good God is. <laughs> and I believe part of the reason the book of Revelation was written is to help us to realize the reality of the goodness of God and how we ought to and must serve him and honor him the way that he deserves. Praise God. All right. I look forward to chapter six tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.